So, John, if you could make a voodoo doll that worked, and you could make it of Cher, what would you do? Can a voodoo doll just force someone to make another album? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's assume so. With the wrong way around. What? With the wrong way around. Oh, that's going to be awkward. Am I on top? Mm. Oh, well, that's nice to experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everybody to... Sorry, what? sorry, sorry. My bad. Go ahead, I'm, I'm really sorry. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box that you're trying so hard not to laugh. A podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry and joining me as always is John. Hello. And John just made a sexual joke about me. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the first time for everything, you know. Um, little technical issue, our audio streams are I've switched around and now John is on top. Which is novel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so more on topic. Uh, this, <laughs> so this film, The Witches of Eastwick. Yes. Why have you chosen Ooh, it? Boy. Why did you want to make me watch this? I was so excited to watch this film. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit nervous because I have such fond memories of this film, but then I kind of thought to myself, oh, is it going to have aged poorly? Is it going it, to... Maybe it's not as good as I remember it being. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah. going to go back to me disappointed. I had nothing to worry about. This film is better than I remembered it being. This film is amazing. Incest. Spanish flies. Dildos. Anal intercourse. Tell me what you thought about this film. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank God. (laughs) I was about to dump you. It would have been like the worst. Although I did manage to iron all my shirts. Okay. You know, I didn't take all my attention. Is that your racing system? How many shirts you get through? Like, the fewer <laughs> shirts, the more gripping the film. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay, okay. There was one shirt left, okay, so there was still, you know, a bit. There's still leeway, okay. Yeah. Well, what did you think? I don't want to, like, impose my opinion on this film too hard straight away, because mm-hmm. I know it and you don't. So tell me what you thought about it as a first time viewer. When I was watching this and I was thinking, this is a John film through and through. <laughs> <laughs> did you realise that when it cropped up at the first minute starring Cher? <laughs> well, like, you know, I've got this common complaint about how actors get put up in the in the opening credits and so it spoils any kind of reveal I mean, like, this film wasn't really trying to do a big reveal of who's in it no everyone who is um, matters appears in the first 10 minutes so. yeah but i was trying to avoid it anyway okay um just because that's what i like to do and just i accidentally glanced at, at the screen twice and i saw Drent nicholson and i saw Cher. <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't go so well for me but um well Drent nicholson was amazing in this of course of course um I'm looking forward to watching more Jack Nicholson films. I'm hoping this spurs a bit of a, a, bit of a theme of Jack Nicholson films for us. Which Jack Nicholson films have you seen? I have seen this. I have seen Batman, which we won't do, obviously, and uh, The Departed. Oh, is there something else? No, that's it. That's it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm surprised and I'm not surprised because you are obviously 24. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because for me, Jack Nicholson is the ultimate movie star. There's so many amazing Jack Nicholson films. Mm. I I had a bit of a shock when I went to just do my research on this film that he's now 80 years old and he's not <laughs> acted since 2010. He's like is retired it? from acting, which is why you don't see him anymore, obviously. Mm. So yeah, the in terms of contemporary stuff, he started to move into that historical kind of phase. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, but, One Flew the Cooker's Nest. One for, oh, good, I'm glad you One Flew the Cooker's Nest. But yeah, he's so good in this. And mm. this is like the perfect Jack Nicholson role. So what, when was this film? When was it made? Mm. 1987, so 30 years ago. So just before Batman. 
Yeah, around that time, I think. Yeah, two years before. Two years yeah. before, yeah. Okay, well, so it was a very similar role, or sorry, similar played role to the Joker. Well, but that's what Jack Nicholson does. He's a sexy devil. Oh, I don't really think of that one in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest or The Departed. Oh, well, no. No, he's, he, he has range. He does other things. But I mean, yeah. like, yeah, one of the things he does very well is being charming, but also a little bit dangerous, which I think both of the Joker and Satan are. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he reminded me a lot of... Um... I've forgotten the character and the actor's name, but the guy from American Gods. Ian McShane. Yes. Who was playing Loki in No, American he was Gods. playing Odin. Odin, Odin, sorry, yeah. Odin, the god of mischief, is it? No, that, no, no Loki that, is the god of mischief. Loki. What's oh, Loki then? Odin. Odin, sorry. He is the god of. I know, the god of gods, maybe. God I don't know, I'm not sure. Mm. But yeah, uh, near the end of American Gods, I thought he was going to be the devil. Yeah. He, the, both of them have that kind of face. They do, yeah. The, I, the, I could easily see them in red makeup with horns. Mm hmm. 100%, yeah. I would have liked to. <laughs> because, well, some bits of this film, I, I wasn't sure what the mood was, because sometimes it was it was quite sensible and normal and just a bit sort of over-boring. Really? At, po- at, po- at points where it's supposed to be. Things like where she's in a music class. Oh, right, okay. Really and there's the, the speech from headmaster at the start, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there are other bits where it just went crazy. <laughs> like, I'm sure that you've got plenty to say about this, but... That scene where she was playing the cello and he was playing the violin. <laughs> yes. And then just suddenly it turns. Mm-hmm. Her cello catches fire. She gets so aroused by the music that she that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Her cello catches fire. She throws it to the side. He throws his violin away and starts smashing up the piano as they're just having sex. That was mental. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. Well, not quite out of nowhere, but it was just a big switch. I feel like it was a real good... Like dramatic build-up that takes it to like the level of the absurd, which this film yeah. does really. I have to disagree. I don't think this film's uneven. I think this is a great example of a film that knows exactly what it is, like exactly what it wants to be, well, and it uh, finds that tone. Well, yeah, I, I agree that it did. I, I just think that because it, it was kind of starting it as he he's going to get Cher, mm-hmm. he's going to get Michelle Pfeiffer, and he's going to get Susan Sarandon. Yeah, but like Cher didn't really have her moment of that. That's true, actually. Like, yeah. Uh, because she was first, right? Yeah, she's the first one he seduces. Yeah. yeah. Well, in that amazing or, scene. Yeah, that, I mean, it was an amazing <laughs> scene. But, like, at the end, Cher turned on him and just said, look, you're absolutely repulsive. Yeah. And then he was just like, hmm. And, and then she was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And it, it just didn't, I, just, it, I didn't buy it at all. Because there was no switching character from her saying, you're absolutely repulsive, mm-hmm. to snogging him. True. Well, I guess she he kind of does that thing where he kind of psychoanalyzes her and seduces her. But I, I agree... Mm-hmm. The Susan Sarandon one is the amazing one. Mm. She's got the best transformation for me. Yeah. She goes from like dressing like a pilgrim to just <laughs> she is. It's I love a good before or after. Like teacher's yeah. gone through some changes. Like, yeah, <laughs> she goes from like the dowdiest, most you know meek little mouse to suddenly she's just a slut and she's loving it. Like mm-hmm. it was amazing. And I mean that I'm not slut shaming. I mean in the best possible sense. Like she is <laughs> like that scene where she's just like strutting through the supermarket with like her big hair and a little tiny mini dress. And the dress is like just covering her vagina and just mm-hmm. just covering her nipples. It's that classic kind of like when women dress, you, they say chest or legs, never both. And mm-hmm. Susan Sarandon ignores that advice completely. <laughs> she has just got everything hanging out and it is great. Oh. Double, double chocolate. These are fabulous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You heard her. 
she's not wearing a bra. Whereas Cher is kind of fabulous already and she just, mm. having sex with him doesn't really add or take away from her general fabulousness. Yeah. And then Michelle Pfeiffer to me felt like a bit of an afterthought. Yeah. Like, oh, I need to seduce you as well because there's three of you. Like, of the three of the, they were all amazing, but I felt like Michelle Pfeiffer was a bit kind of underserved in this film. Mm. Like, it really felt like the Cher, Susan Sarandon and Jack Nicholson show mm-hmm. with Michelle Pfeiffer kind of floating around, you know, yeah. making up the numbers a little bit. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Uh, also, where were her children? <sighs> <laughs> oh, I just love that. Yeah. That's her one character trait. She has like seven yeah. children. She always gets pregnant, and yet her children are nowhere to be seen. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was good. Well, I mean, she she was she was busy. She was yeah. being seduced by the devil. True. Yeah, she wasn't in control. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure those kids were just feeding themselves. But uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it. Neither do I. But I swear to God, I can barely walk for two days. <laughs> I just found this film so much fun. It's so quotable. Like, so very, very quotable. There's so many great quotes, lines. I feel like you can tell a great film when even the throwaway lines are quotable. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's the great one. There's the share speech to Jack Nicholson when he tries to seduce her. Well, you know, I have to admit that I appreciate your directness, Daryl, and... I will try and be as direct and honest with you as I possibly can be. Uh, I think, no, I, I am positive that you are the most unattractive man I have ever met in my entire life. You know, in the short time we've been together, you have demonstrated every loathsome characteristic of the male personality and even discovered a few new ones. You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, you're morally reprehensible, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humour, and you smell. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. And then there's, I'm just a horny little devil, and all these great, and then there's all, like, for some reason, the one line that really made me laugh hard that was so totally throwaway, I can't remember who says it. I think it's Felicia. She says, where will the snowy egrets nest? Yeah. (laughs) It was just so specific. I loved it. What's going to happen to those birds now? You tell me that. What birds? Snowy egrets. Where will they nest? I don't know. Wait, I don't even... The plot of this film is Fredbear. Mm -hmm. The the plot barely exists. (laughs) This This film is just... Three sexy ladies being fabulous with Jack Nicholson. Now, you're going to have to help me with this. Did you find it a film of two halves? Because I watched it in two halves. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, I stopped at the tennis scene. Okay. Um, Why would you stop there? Back. Well, I didn't really have a choice. People were at my house waiting for me. Oh, okay, fine. Well, it's a film of two halves in the sense that there's, you know, before Jack and after Jack. Yeah, but... Well, I really feel like the first half of what I watched, that was where it was sort of quite slow and where those boring scenes I mentioned were... And then, as soon as that tennis scene happens, that's when like all cards are put on the table almost. Yeah, and then it kicks up a notch. It yeah. really does, yeah. But I mean, I could watch Susan Sarandon, Cher, and Michelle Pfeiffer just having girl time. That could have been a film I would have happily watched <laughs> a ninety-minute version of that because mm-hmm. that was just as much fun for me in its own way. Yeah. Nobody in this film is coasting. That's what I like. Everybody mm-hmm. in this film is just having the best time mm. and having so much fun, and that's what makes it a joy to watch for me. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you know who directed this film? No. Okay. I thought, I thought I did, but I don't. This film was directed by uh, George Miller, who went on to direct Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that's 
Yeah, that's not what I expected. No? Well, he also directed the old Mad Max films and then came back and did Fury Road. But uh, yeah, I can tell. Because the old Mad Max films are so much like this. Well, no, but I'm saying that, you know, I'm just clarifying. He did all the Mad Max films. Sure, yeah. So before and after. Mm -hmm. But no, it makes sense to me because those films are super fun and this film is super fun. Mm -hmm. Like a different genre, but Mm -hmm. like visually really inventive and uh, just really, really good. Mm -hmm. And the score was by John John Williams. Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And that you could definitely tell. Yes, you definitely could. But I didn't think it it fitted. No, I I found it a bit distracting sometimes. It, It, It made it feel too sort of happy-go-lucky a little bit sort of yeah did, there was a point early on did you think I can't remember what the exact scene was but was there a point where you thought it was going to literally break into the opening song from Beauty and the Beast no but there were several points where I thought it was that somebody was about to break out into song yeah not just from the acting from the music as well yeah 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 totally but yeah there were definitely some points yeah there was definitely a bit where I guess he's trying to create this kind of you know suburban happy-go-lucky kind of whiter than white vibe but there were bits where it really sounded like it was going to go and then no one else and quite a night like yeah. that like. yeah <laughs> and also a little bit of trivia mm. so obviously jack nicholson amazing do you know who was initially considered for the role before I went to Jack Nicholson? Oh, here we go. Um, There's really only two people who could possibly have played this. Jack Nicholson and this person. Nicholas Cage? No, although maybe. No, too young at this point. Mm, yeah. I don't know who else. Bill Murray. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Nicholson... Yeah, I think Nicholson does better because he's yeah. more energetic. Yeah, totally. Bill Murray would have been a different kind of devil. Mm. But to see Bill Murray having sex with Cher... <laughs> <laughs> Sort of also worked for on my opening question, Sean. But is there anybody you wouldn't like to see have sex with Cher? No, no. <laughs> like maybe Donald Trump, but oh yeah, Ugh. Ugh. no, no. I I'd watch Cher do anything and anyone. Great. <laughs> yeah, right. oh, okay, last question before we get to our drinking games. What was your favourite Cher outfit? Uh, you, you, you're gonna hate me, but I didn't really notice the Cher outfit. Oh, dear God, how could you not? How could you not? Well, I'm sorry. She I was had... too busy looking at all their identical hair in different colours. Well, that's that. we'll get into that. But um, <laughs> that's definitely a part of the drinking game. But um, <laughs> well, I had, so I had two. One of the joys of this film was just watching all the costume changes. Yeah. And it just felt like Cher, every scene she had, she was just looking fabulous and having these amazing ensembles. Mm-hmm. So I really liked, there's a scene where she first meets Daryl, Jack Nicholson, yeah. where she's wearing this fabulous kind of like crop top with a wraparound skirt, like a sexy gypsy look. That was just an iconic look. Like she's like windswept and she just looks amazing. And I was like, oh my God. So that, there's that. Or there is the scene where she's riding a bicycle in denim dungarees with massive pippy long stocking, crazy insane pigtails. See, I don't remember that per se, but I can imagine it. Yeah. I? <laughs> I watched this film on Sunday night. I spent, honestly, made the entire time like a gay sea lion. <laughs> like, I was watching it alone at night, and I was literally just like clapping and yelping, just constantly, just like, oh my god, yes! Like, I was so. I, was, I reached a state of gay bliss. It was just. Listeners, John has gone bright red. I was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> This film is joy. This film may be elevated now from like a, a fond memory to a potential top stuff of all time. Mm-hmm. It's totally up there for me. Really? That good? I loved it. Okay. Should we get some drinking games? Of course. Yeah. So first one, 
just drink for fabulous hats, wigs, and skirts. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many good looks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a solid drinking game with any of your films. But this one, again, like as I said, yeah. Oh my god, just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, I've kind of already mentioned this, but drink whenever somebody has a massive change of character mid-scene. For example, the husband murdering his wife. Oh, we're going to get to Felicia. Yeah. Oh, we're going to be talking a lot about Felicia. <laughs> okay, I'll skip to that. That's my next drinking. Because I feel like that was, a, that, that was two changes. It was just suddenly just like, oh, quiet down, dear. And then go over, murder her, come back, and then just carry reading his paper. Yeah. Okay, so let's go straight to that. That, that one of my drinking games, which we're going to spend a lot of time on, is mm. drink whenever Felicia's at 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I we fucking loved Felicia. To be in a movie with four amazing, amazing actors like Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, Susan Sarandon and Cher. Mm-hmm. Like she's like a, such a, a supporting role, but she may have stolen the film for me. Mm-hmm. She was just amazing. So many good scenes. Talk about this film being quotable. <laughs> Dildos! Anal intercourse! Whores! She was incredible. She was so incredible. I don't know what my text tone for the week's going to be. <laughs> but yeah, I will say that I did find her death a little bit abrupt. Yes. I didn't realise she'd even been killed until it cuts to the scene with the ambulance. And it's like, oh, the husband killed her? What? I got it when it happened, but I wasn't 100% sure. Okay. Just because... I know the way they hinted it with the music and the, and the thunderclaps at the same time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a little subtle. Weirdly. Yeah, yeah, considering nothing else about that was subtle. It was, and it wasn't subtle. Mm. Well, there's a possible explanation for this, Mm -hmm. because I found it a bit strange. I never really understood why the husband killed her. Was he possessed by Satan, or was she just so out there that he panicked? Yeah, I think that he just panicked, and he was scared of what people were going to think of him, and trying to control his woman. Mm -hmm. Is that that the message I'm trying to get there? (laughs) I don't know, I don't know. I did find the scene weird where he was feeding her porridge pan because like she yeah, broke but... her leg, her arm still worked. Yeah, yeah. She was like it was like shoveling food into her mouth. It was bizarre. But yeah, I think the reason that scene plays weirdly is that when they filmed it, they actually because you know there's that amazing scene where they, all the witches are eating the cherries and causing her to projectile vomit. Yes. What they actually did, they made that even more disgusting. Where they actually built a life size animatronic mannequin of that woman. Mm-hmm that could just spew ridiculous amounts of vomit. So it was supposed to go even grosser than it did. Wow. And but, so they did it, they shot it, they did all those things. And then the audience found it so disgusting that they had to take out the film because it was too off-putting. I did notice there were a lot of vomit shots off camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think what must have happened is that him killing her must have been part of that sequence where she must have just been like head spinning, vomit mm-hmm. going everywhere. And then you must have maybe seen him kill her, but maybe they just cut all that out and just had to kind of do a softer version because it was just too gross. Mm-hmm. But oh my god, her slow descent into insanity. Well, actually, it's quite a rapid descent. Into, yeah. <laughs> an as, a rapid ascent into ins, insanity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, her freak out on the church is just for the ages for me. Mm. Like I said, whores, dildos, anal intercourse. <laughs> Spanish flies. Spanish flies. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, so yeah, every time Felicia is at 11, which is basically every time she's on screen, yeah. take a big old shot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great. Great. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. Okay, well, my last one. Drink whenever you see Jack Nicholson's hairstyle and think to yourself, life goals. Life goals? Oh no. (laughs) 
coming, John. It's you coming. Can't, you can't pull that off. I can pull anything <laughs> off. This is the thing about Jack Nicholson, though. Like, and this is why he's so good at this film because he's he's both sexy and disgusting. Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> at great. the same time, yeah. And the fact that he's so disgusting, but he's so okay with being disgusting, and he loves being that disgusting, mm. and makes him sexier. Mm-hmm. It's this weird thing. I don't know what it is because, like, if you looked at a picture of him, I would scroll past him so fast on Grinder. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just saw a single picture of Jack Nicholson. Even then in the 80s, obviously now he's, he's in his 80s, mm-hmm. but even in the 80s, he's not traditionally sexy, but you see him in a, in a film when he's just being so, he's got, it's his confidence, I think. Mm. He's just, he just carries it and he's not afraid to, he's not afraid to be gross. Like as an actor, he's not afraid to make fun of himself and mm-hmm. it makes him sexy. His hair is awful in this film. <laughs> he's one of those people who's receding pretty hard at the front, but the back mm. is just super, super long. Yeah. And that's a real no-no, but he somehow makes it work. What do you think of the, the closing scenes where he's full-on monster? I was going to ask um, you about this. And, and then his, surely his hair worked perfectly there. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. I love the bit where he hasn't quite... He's just about to open the door, mm-hmm. and then he just slicks this awful <laughs> hair back, and then it just sort of springs back into place. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of the effects in this film? Because like, it... It only happens at the very end, like in the mm. last 10 minutes. It gets animatronic and all these, he becomes mm-hmm. this giant. What did you think of that? Because I was a bit of a curveball. I mean, I wasn't disappointed, but it wasn't great. <laughs> it didn't look amazing. Right? I mean, the very, very final bit where there's just like this being that's just floating in the <laughs> air <laughs> with Jack Nicholson's face pasted that onto it. Amazing, yeah. That was amazing. That was something else. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was supposed to have happened at the end? Like he, he he's, he's in the telly? I think they've like banished him, but then yeah, he's not. You can't kill Satan. Mm. I guess maybe they've put some kind of spell that means he can't come back in his full form. But he's, mm. you know, haunting around the edges. I don't know. It's it. The plot doesn't matter. It's just funny. It's a funny shot of him on the TV screen with the babies. Well, yeah, that is true. Yeah, you d- this is not a film to look too deeply into. No. It is just a film to experience and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take a drink every time. Every time it looks like a girl group number's about to break out and then it doesn't. Well, yeah. This film kept teasing me that Cher was going to sing. And then Cher <laughs> never sang. Has Cher sung in a film before? Yeah, she sang in Mermaids, didn't she? I forget. That's where the Shoop Shoop song comes from. It's a theme show, like the theme tune was the Shoop Shoop song. Yeah, I remember it playing off the credits. I don't, I don't think she actually sings it in the she film. did it in the film. Does he love me? I want to know. But I think she's generally avoided films where she sings. Oh, actually, I tell a lie. Burlesque. She sings in Burlesque. Not seen it. And that didn't go. Oh, that's Burlesque is added to the gonna, list. Burlesque has been on the list for some time. Burlesque is going <laughs> to happen. Brace yourself. But I'm building up to Burlesque. Uh-huh, uh-huh. This podcast might have ended pretty early if I put Burlesque in too quickly. Right, but I'm sure. building up to Burlesque. Wagon wheel, what to see? But in the 80s, when she was like winning Oscars and like a really genuinely a serious actress, I think she avoided roles that would make her sing because she wanted mm-hmm. to have some separation and be like a, not be a singer who acts but be a serious actress because she can yeah. act she's great I think the other two girls sing at one point but he, she just doesn't join in it's like she opens her mouth and then it cuts I was like oh no yeah. like come on share <laughs> I don't know there's just lots of scenes where the three of them are together where they look like the best girl group in the world mm. like there's a bit towards the end when they decided to betray Jack Nicholson and they're, most, they're all staying in the mansion mm-hmm. they tell him to drive off to town and get them ice cream and bread or something mm-hmm. and then so he's driving off and they all look out the window together and it lo- really looks like they're going to like dive into some big number I thought that too and yeah. that was also the point where I noticed their hair just like oh my god their hair is the exact shape size everything apart from just blonde red and black yeah well, and then 10 minutes later they've all got a baby the same age <laughs> that is 
blonde, red, and black. Yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> That's another one of mine, which is drink every time a single hairdo takes sort of 50 to 70% of the screen. Because <laughs> the volume was so much. Like, yeah, yeah. I th- whenever like Susan Sarandon and Cher were in frame together, like, it was just like a total eclipse of the pair. You could see nothing else. It was just their hair. Mm-hmm. The screen was just their hair. It was amazing. <laughs> drink every time a character falls in slow motion. Don't remember any of that. Well, the best one is when Felicia falls down the stairs. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's like, someone drops a necklace and the, the beads fall. Mm-hmm. Then she's on the beads and then she's running on the spot on the bead and mm-hmm. then she goes over and then she falls. And then it's like, I think I broke my leg. Like, so the calmest deli- line delivery of her yeah. entire scene. Yeah. Like, considering everything else she does in the movie, that line, I think I've broken my leg, is so like... She's trying to show range. Oh, Clyde, honey. I think I broke my leg. And finally, drink whenever Lurch from the Adams Family appears wearing something very strange. Yeah. Um, do you remember that bit near the end where they've gone out shopping and uh, was it Jack Nicholson says, oh, I'll get the ice cream, you, you just go and do some shopping. Yeah. And then obviously Jack Nicholson drives off without him. And the last scene we see him, he's come out with just all kinds of party gear and like a piñata and all sorts. Of, yeah. He clearly wanted a party and just like wanted to socialise and then drunk, he just left him. Yeah, I, I felt like, really sorry for him at that point. <laughs> I felt like there was a parallel movie going on to this movie that was just yeah. all the adventures of Lurch. Yeah. Because like, there's that scene at the beginning, the first time we see him when Cher meets Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. He never has any lines. He's just serving like drinks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's dressed like Lawrence of Arabia for no reason. Like, yeah. He's wearing like a full turban. Yeah. It's like, why? <laughs> and then there's the bit where somebody runs in at the end and he's there and, and she just goes, don't start Lurch, and just runs upstairs. Yeah. It's like, He's never said a word. What do you <laughs> yeah. mean, don't start? I think that was the joke. Though, I think, yeah. He was a great sight gag. I loved him. Yeah. Just back off, Daryl. Daryl! Daryl! Okay, so alternative readings? Of course. Right, hit me. Which is of Eastwick? More like devils and voodoo in Eastwick. Mm, yeah, bitch. Uh, okay, which is of Eastwick? Menopause can be murder. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Witches of Eastwick. What woman wants to do to Jack Nicholson? Mm. Oh, that's very similar to my next one. Witches of Eastwick. Everyone's hungry for the D. <laughs> <laughs> Witches of Eastwick. In a world where Cher is playing Batman. Here's Batman 89. Was Cher playing Batman now? Imagine if she was. <sighs> yeah. I would watch that movie mm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. Okay, finally. Witches of Eastwick. Three 40-year-old women have to literally fuck the devil to be allowed to star in a movie. <laughs> oh, It's true. It's sad, but true. It's, it's but, sad, but yeah. true, yeah. This movie would not get made today. Well, maybe it would, but yeah. Oh, maybe it would in uh, some kind of remake. Oh, okay. So uh, I sense that's leading up to your sequel, so Yeah. Me. Okay, so mine I've called Wizards of Wakefield. Wizards of Wakefield. Oh, I'm sensing a local theme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wakefield is a beautiful city just outside Leeds. Well, it's a city just outside Leeds. It's a city just outside Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is going to be a straight remake, but I'm going to do a bit of a gender swap. Okay. Um, and I'm going to cast Simon Pegg and Nick Frost as our main characters. Okay. With a, a director, Edgar Wright. I see. So they're playing Cher and Susan Sarandon? Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Is there a Michelle Pfeiffer? Uh, not as planned. Okay. She was kind of forgetful. Yeah, she was, like, she was, she was I, forgetful. I love Michelle Pfeiffer, but in this, it wasn't her fault. I think they just didn't give her enough to do. But yeah. I mean, I decided on casting these two, and I couldn't think of the person to go with them, but then I decided, do I need one? Yeah, true. Not, not really. 
Could have been the guy in, from space who did the painting in the basement. I'm working, Tim. Working. Do you understand? No, sorry. Got me there. Trying to avoid cliches by not actually placing my brush on the canvas. Wow, right. Using my penis. Finally. Do you want to see? Yeah, I'm not really sure if he's got the gravitas for a film like this. I don't know. Fair enough. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost have done so much since then. True. Without him. Yeah, they really left him behind. Okay. And most of the cast of space. True, true, true. Yeah. Well, okay. Continue. Anyway, yeah. So, Simon Pegg is Susan Sarandon. He is a boring drama teacher Mm -hmm. um, in his school in Wakefield. Okay. And obviously he is best mixed with Nick Frost, who is a sculptor or of erotic statues. Excellent. <laughs> um, Nick Frost has seven children. Okay. Wow. They all happen to be in his primary school. Mm-hmm. So I, I might have sort of mixed and matched a few, a few characters here and taken okay, some sure. elements. So Nick Frost is essentially Cher and Michelle Pfeiffer at the same time. Yeah. Because he's got so. Cher's job, but Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, children. children. Okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. And so does Simon Pegg teach those children? Yes. Okay, cool. But also in a weird scenario, they actually live together. Okay. Are they are like a, a couple or just like no, a, the housemates? Whole, no, housemates. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, knowing Simon Pegg's normal characters, he's just not got his life off the ground. Fair enough, yeah. So much like the, the characters in Witches of Eastbrook, they're like both single guys, mm-hmm. just but like, yeah, just pals. And, okay, yeah. cool. But I'm on board. Nick Frost is all about his kids. Yeah. Cool. So one day after we see... Uh, what is clearly the worst school play ever in the world, mm-hmm. obviously by Simon Pegg's drama class. Yeah. <laughs> the headmaster, Jack Nicholson, uh-huh. does the most boring speech afterwards as sort of like a, I don't know, like a PTA speech or something. No, all the parents are there, but like nobody cares, nobody wants to be there. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the audience, especially Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, I'm just going to call them Simon and Nick. Okay, yeah. Everybody's just wishing that it was over and there was some some excuse to leave. Okay. So we want something to happen. And so as the speech goes on, the stage lights start to get brighter and brighter and brighter until eventually a few different things start catching fire, like in the ceiling and stuff. The fire alarm goes off, the sprinklers go off, and it's raining everywhere. Everybody gets up and they they panic to leave. But the headmaster really wants to finish his speech. Mm -hmm. So he carries on talking. But obviously there are stage lights that point right at him. It's getting brighter and brighter until his toupee catches fire, (laughs) which is then when he stops. Okay. He then instructs everybody to just go home and we'll deal with this later. School's not going to be open tomorrow. Just go home. Simon and Nick look at each other and just go, (laughs) way, And they just go straight to the pub. Okay. Leaving their children. Uh, Lee, yeah, yes, uh, forgetting about Nick's kids completely. Okay, cool. that's fair. Michelle Pfeiffer left her kids repeatedly. So. Yeah. So is Nicholson the main part as his headmaster? Is that like a cameo? Yeah, it's just a cameo. Okay, cool. That, that's it done. Well, he's, that's him out of retirement. That's his first te- film role in like seven years. So yeah, tempted him out of retirement. So cool. Continue. I wonder if he'd do it. If he'd come out of retirement for a cameo. Not yet. I'm sure he gets asked a lot, but mm. maybe. I, I don't know what state his health is in. Like He's in his 80s now. I saw him backstage at the Oscars a couple of years ago with Jen- flirting with Jennifer Lawrence, but uh, that's the last time I saw him. <laughs> Great. So, at the pub, Simon and Nick here talk about this new woman that's in town, okay. um, which nobody remembers her name. Okay. Like, absolutely nobody. Somebody's saying, like, oh, doesn't it begin with her? And, ah. Oh. And then Simon's like, oh, I thought I had a G in it. And maybe, maybe an L. And finally somebody goes, Regina Falange. <laughs> Oh, and, then every, and it clicks and everybody gets a name like oh yeah that's what it is yeah yeah and so later on that evening they're, they're at a club and 
people start hearing a noise that's even louder than the music. It's the noise of what sounds like a monster snoring. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everybody turns around and they see that there's somebody just up on the balcony, just slumped back on her chair, just obviously asleep. A woman with long blonde hair. And they actually watch as she falls off the balcony in her sleep mm-hmm. and lands on somebody. She gets up, not realizing anything's happened. It's Lisa Kudrow. Okay. Yeah, she she stands up saying, "Oh, sorry, everyone. You were you were you were boring me. <laughs> uh, you should all be more interesting. Apart from you two, you're perfect." Pointing at Simon and Nick. Just out of nowhere, she's determined that they're perfect. Like they've not had any interactions yet. No. Okay. Cool. So is this actually? So obviously, Regina Falange. Maybe, maybe it was all fate. Okay, I guess. So Regina Falange is obviously Phoebe Buffay's fake nom de plume when she's in um, mm-hmm. Friends. So is this Phoebe, or is this just the name you've chosen because you want Lisa Kudrow to play this role? It's who knows. Oh, okay. It's a mystery. Okay, yeah. continue. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Okay. Hello, my name is Regina Falange. I'm a businesswoman in town on business. Would you like to see my card? Nick and Simon at this point are looking very sort of gormless. They they, they don't know what's going on. It's like, huh? Mm-hmm. They knew the person that she landed on. Like she just landed on somebody, but nobody's reacting to it. Oh, is that person dead now? Maybe. Okay. Don't know. She goes, you boys come with me. <laughs> she says, well, physically flirting with them. They're both completely stricken as though by magic to follow her back to this local castle, which she's just bought. Is there a castle in Wakefield? I don't know. <laughs> maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Castle slash mansion. I don't feel like it's a castle or a mansion town. There are some pretty fancy places in the outskirts of Wakefield. Okay, yeah, I guess. Fair. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so they spend uh, quite a few nights there, actually, just you know, playing about in this pool that she's got, having sex, playing rounders with magic, and you know, just sort of lounging about in a very sexual way, such as they do in the film. There's a lot of sexual lounging in this film. There really <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> just like, what are you doing now? Like, <laughs> just feeling themselves. Jack Nicholson's not even in here. Yeah. At one point, as in the film, uh, Regina gets out of camera and asks them all, what, "What was the question that Jack asked them?" by the way, that made them... Oh, it was something about life, wasn't it? Something about like life and mortality, because then Susan Sarandon's like, I don't mind that life is short, so I'm just worried about pain or something. Yeah, it was kind of a yeah, philosophical life question, I think. Well, essentially, there's a question here which gets them to explain the, the ways that they are most scared of dying. Oh, okay. Oh, because that was sort of built to, didn't it? Cause yeah, pretty are, much. It, it was, what are your fears? So, yeah. Yeah. So, Nick says that his worst fear is all of his friends getting picked off one by one by zombies and then him getting picked off the last. Oh, okay. Simon Sounds says <laughs> Simon says that his worst fear is getting teleported out of a spaceship into the vacuum of space itself. Also sounds familiar. Yeah. There's more scenes after that. Let's just pretend that that's just the thing that they say quite subtly. Mm-hmm. So that evening, uh, Regina finally lets them go home for once after they don't know how long. Days... <laughs> Probably not Just weeks. a sexual lounging and can talking about the deepest fears. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. Cool. yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they're entranced by the devil. No, no, it sounds that. pretty appealing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they get home. Worst weekends. <laughs> they get home and Nick's kids, that uh, they're all there. Where have you been, Daddy? We... There's no food. We're hungry. I'm glad we're addressing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick and Simon suddenly see what's happened. That that they've been so taken with Regina that they, they've completely forgotten about their lives and their mm-hmm. responsibilities. Obviously, they feel awful. Mm-hmm. So they don't go back to Regina for for ages, even though they left, they were expecting to come back like one night later, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so they've actually come back because there's a funeral happening for mm-hmm. that person that Regina killed in the nightclub. The guy she landed on? Yeah. Okay. 
And so on the morning of, she actually comes around to offer condolences. Can that maybe be the guy from Space 2 never gets to be in any of the movies? Ah, there yeah. we go. Even if he gets no lines, he just gets to like be in the coffin. Like, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, she comes around that morning to offer condolences, Well, which obviously makes them quite mad. Like They suddenly realise what's going on, that this has all been a big ruse for her to just get them. Mm-hmm. Like They didn't even want to go to the club. Where they, how, do they, how do they suddenly realise what her name was? Why did nobody know? And she killed her friend. So they tell her to just fuck off and give them some time, mm-hmm. which is exactly what she does. Yeah. The next day, we wake up full zombie apocalypse. Oh, okay. Is this like full Shaun of the Dead style? Full Shaun of the Dead. Yes, Edgar Wright still directing, so yeah. probably be quite similar. Mm-hmm. Full zombie apocalypse, which goes on for a little bit, and then there is a government announcement saying that they have put a, a teleporter in space between <laughs> Earth and the Moon, and that's going to teleport everybody to the Moon. That's the point where Simon Pegg goes, wait a minute, this isn't right. <laughs> this, this, this seems far-fetched. <laughs> <laughs> this is, something's up here. Mm-hmm. And so he says this is her, her next, like, well, what can we do to stop her? Like, oh, she must have a, a way of, of doing this stuff, like some, some kind of a book or something. Like, she must know how to do this. So they go to her mansion. Well, they fight, fight, the, fight through the zombies to get to her mansion slash castle in cool. the outskirts of Wakefield, mm-hmm. where they are seduced by her, she, which she falls for. Were they were they pretend to be seduced by her? Did you say? Yes. Okay. Cool. Uh, which she falls for for one final night of passion, which obviously they both enjoy plenty. I'm literally picturing a really vivid sex scene with Lisa Kudrow, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost. Mm-hmm. And I'm not hating it. No, I'm not saying I'm not a little turned on by that. <laughs> <laughs> While she's asleep, they make a voodoo doll of her, and they run away in the morning and they hide in the church. Okay. They think the one place that she can't get them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they start messing with her with this voodoo doll, which, remember, Nick Frost was a sculptor. Oh, okay. Yeah. What kind of sculptor was he? Erotic Erotic, statues. okay, yeah. Well, did you notice, it really made me laugh, when Cher makes the doll of Jack Nicholson, did you mm. notice it had a massive erection? Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> See, I'm guessing this one's going to have, like, giant boobs and, like, yeah. Yeah, all sorts like that. Yeah, okay. And so, well, Nixon tried this voodoo doll first, and he just starts doing all kinds of weird sexual things with it, which... We then see Lisa Kudrow have to act out. Such as? So I'm not going there. You say, what, what erotic, I'm genuinely concerned. What, what erotic things would a person do with a doll? Right? What would you do with a doll? A doll of Lisa Kudrow? Yeah. Not much, probably. Ah. Like, oh. Don't know, like, is he shoving it up his bum? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, if it's like a little. Oh, he's making her do things. He's making her do things. So it's just like, is it like when you get two, when you're a kid and you get two Ken dolls together and make them go like, boom, boom, <laughs> boom, for like. Okay, yeah, so he's got, he's got. A... Lisa Kudrow in one hand, he's got a Ken doll in the other. Okay. Stuff's happening. Okay, fine. Maybe that Ken doll is Matt LeBlanc. Yeah. <laughs> At last, the, the one that everyone <laughs> wanted to happen. <laughs> I like the idea that all the other cast are friends with this, but just as extras. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Jennifer Aniston is Lurch. Like. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Friends finally meet Spaced. Yeah. And it's finally the reunion, but it's really disappointing because five of them have no lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After a while, Simon takes over and they actually do start torturing her in a way that will make her try and come and find them okay so that's exactly what happens she does find them at the church eventually um after going through a lot of pain and essentially turning into a monster because of that she gets in the church and they instantly pour the font of holy water over her okay is that right church terms yes yes i can confirm holy water yeah thank you in a font yeah yeah they pour that over her and she essentially melts like the wicked witch of the west okay and drains away into into a stream nearby Mm mm-hmm um, going off into the Yorkshire countryside. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Cut to one year later. Mm-hmm. 
they're all living at this castle slash mansion. So this is Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost's many children? Yes. Okay. Maybe he's even got more by now. Well, who's the mother of all these kids? Like, I don't know. Well, they never said who the father was of uh, what's-her-face's kids, did they? True. Well, no, they did. well, I think her husband had left because all those kids driving him insane. Ah, well, maybe it's the same. Yeah, okay. We cut to one year later to, uh, where that's happening in the garden and they're all playing in the garden. One of them goes down a stream at the bottom of the garden. He sees there's this this red liquid in a pool of, of still water and he looks into it. Mm-hmm. We see a shot where we just see this kid reflection in, in this red liquid and just just an absolute glimpse. We see just his eyes shine red okay. and then cut to black. Ooh, okay. That's it. I like it. I can see that. I like the, the Wakefield setting. I think there's not enough yes. major Hollywood productions being made in Wakefield. And <laughs> it's, it's about damn time. Um, yeah, very good. I like it. So, good. my turn? Yes, of course. Okay, cool. Is it based in Yorkshire? Mine is not based in Yorkshire, my favourite. Ah, uh, well, so, yeah. I guess one of ours is better than You definitely others. win the local, yeah. Okay, so normally, as you know, I make my sequels based on problems I had with the original film and trying mm-hmm. to fix a problem I've had with the original film. Mm-hmm. So I kind of struggled this week because I have no problems with this film. Yeah. I love this film. <laughs> so all I could think about was, I just want more. I just mm-hmm. want more of this. Mm-hmm. So I've done a direct sequel mm. and it's called The Witches of Eastwick 2. Fuck men. <laughs> Fuck men. <laughs> so that was the message of this film. For me. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is a direct sequel. It's still set in America, not Wakefield. So you can have that. <laughs> so in this version, so obviously at the end of the first film, Cher, Michelle Pfeiffer and Susan Sarandon have had babies by Jack Nicholson and they mm-hmm. were like identical with different coloured hair. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so this film is set in 2017, so it's 30 years later. And in the opening sequence, we see like maybe a montage of those kids growing up. And we see that, of course, they, those kids ended up being nightmares because mm. they're 50% Satan. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be little hellions. So despite their mother's best efforts, they all ended up turning into a life of like petty crime and vandalism. And actually the three of them all end up going to jail in their late teens for burning down a church while the priest was still inside. So the priest mm-hmm. was burnt to death inside the church. Right. And so the, the three kids go to jail for arson and manslaughter. Mm-hmm. That explains why they went to jail for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And the three mothers, Sarandon, and Cher, Pfeiffer, were kind of so ashamed of what had happened that they were forced to just leave Eastwick forever. So they mm-hmm. just left. So this film opens, 2017, 30 years later, where the three boys have been released from prison and they're returning to Eastwick. And so obviously we're going to have a shot from behind of these three kind of sexy, dangerous looking men striding into town, smoking cigarettes and just being bad boys. Mm -hmm. Classic shot. And the camera turns and pans up and we see that the three men are played by Liam, Luke and Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah. okay because they're, they're half brothers so they're supposed to look alike right? so, fair enough yeah. and it's a good starry hollywood cast yeah. yes i mean they all look different ages but sure i know but like <laughs> well you know the power of cgi just put a lot of cgi on luke the other two are fine right? <laughs> someone liam to age him up yeah a little bit of age up liam age down luke they'll meet chris in the middle yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously they get back into town and move straight back into their father's old mansion and install themselves as the leaders of eastwick's crime syndicate mm. So maybe they take out a local mob boss or something and okay. suddenly they're in charge. Because, you know, things have gotten pretty rough in Eastwick since the 80s. You know, mm-hmm. It's gone downhill. It's a bit of Gothamy now. You know, mm-hmm. Imagine like a darker city. <laughs> so anyway, after that introduction, we leave the boys all together for a while. Mm-hmm. They're not the main characters in this story. So we cut to a local school. Where we meet the new English teacher. So we're still in Eastwick, by the way. Yeah. So we meet this new English teacher who just moved into town. And like Susan Sarandon, she's very kind of nervous. She dresses very plainly. 
and she can't get the class to focus on the books that she's teaching. It's, mm. it's just all a mess, basically. And she's going to be played by Kristen Wiig. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think she could play that very well, that mm-hmm. Susan Sarandon, because I think she could do both nerdy, but also when the transformation inevitably happens. I mm-hmm. think she could definitely do that. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Fuck me now. Please. I'm, I'm taking you for mine. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can feel you. Oh, oh. Choke me with that dead cat. What? The dead cat next to the bed. Choke me. Choke me with it. Oh. And she doesn't, she's just moved into town. She doesn't really have any friends. And all of the other teachers in Eastwick are like in their 60s, so she can't really mix with them. So one evening, she decides to go to an evening art class to try and meet some new people. Mm-hmm. So at the class, she befriends a friendly but very stressed out single mother of six who uses the art class as her one escape from her life of domestic drudgery. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be played by Melissa McCarthy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see where this is going. Yes. Okay. They also meet a third friend at the class who runs Eastwick's most popular restaurants. She's a very top level chef. And she's going to be played by, any guesses? I don't remember in Bill's names. She's going to be played by Leslie Jones. Okay. So basically, I'm reuniting the cast of Ghostbusters 2016. Yes. Because I enjoyed that film a lot. Mm-hmm. But I did feel like the cast was what made it. Definitely it was. And also it was so overshadowed by people hating on it and wanting to hate mm-hmm. it and all the controversy that came with it. I want to put them together in another film that's just going to let them be fun and funny and just make use of their comic talents and their chemistry without mm-hmm. this whole burden of people being like it's not as good as the original because mm-hmm. i feel like witches of eastwick fans aren't like ghostbusters fans i feel like witches of eastwick fans are hardcore fans are mostly gonna be gay men i think gay men are okay with things being remade and mm-hmm. changes of versus we're not yeah. gonna be like super you know defensive of it so mm-hmm. give them another shot okay so these three women quickly become best friends and we get some kind of really fun scenes of them hanging out, drinking mimosas, talking about boys, etc. Just questioning, were there not four women in Ghostbusters? Oh, we're going to get to Kate McKinnon. Oh, Don't right, think okay. for a second I've forgotten Kate McKinnon. <laughs> so. <laughs> so they're hanging out, drinking, talking about boys and just being fabulous together. Mm-hmm. And at some point, either Melissa or Leslie is going to say, you know, hey, did you hear the Van Horn brothers are back in town? Mm. And Kristen Wiig's like... Oh, should... they took his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kristen Wiggs like doesn't know who they are. And also, of course, Chris Hemsworth, also in Ghostbusters. It's a full cast reunion. I'm aware. Yeah, okay. Just making sure. So Kristen Wiig obviously doesn't know who they are. She's new in town. So mm-hmm. that's where we get the inevitable kind of exposition where they're like, oh yeah, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's mm-hmm. these guys. So long story short, we'll cut some scenes here, where through the magic of cinema, they each individually end up meeting one of the Hemsworth brothers. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters who we two. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a bit of a shame for whoever gets Luke, but whatever. Like, <laughs> oh, poor Luke. Yeah, I'm just being honest. I'm imagining some really funny over-the-top seduction scenes, mm. which I think these actresses could all do really, really well. Definitely, yeah. yes. So maybe Luke Hemsworth starts, like, he meets Kristen Wiig, and he starts, like, reading chapters from Lady Chatterley's Lover, because she's an English teacher. And she's just having an orgasm right there on the school desk. Just mm. like the power of his words. Just, just, <laughs> just imagine Kristen Wiig just like leaning on a desk, just like having a whole orgasm mm-hmm. while he just reads books to mm-hmm. her. Oh, oh, choke me with that dead cat. And then maybe Chris Hemsworth. Your is... orgasm impersonation is bang on. Yeah. <laughs> I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen Wiig is, ha- is being read sexual literature by Luke Hemsworth. Uh-huh. I feel like maybe Chris Hemsworth is going to pose nude at the art class and Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, like, draw him. Yes. I think Melissa McCarthy is going to be doing this insanely erotic drawing of Chris Hemsworth. He's just going to have like, a massive wang and it's just going to be really, really fun. It's going to cut to her drawing. I can just imagine that being a really funny scene. <laughs> well, like the size of his leg or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And then they're just going to like bang each other really hard while they're like smearing each other in paint and stuff. (laughs) Just imagine a Chris Hemsworth, Melissa McCarthy sex scene where it's just super, super erotic. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. And then maybe Leslie Jones gets to do really sexy cooking with Liam Hemsworth where like, you know, they're feeding each other chocolate and they're kneading dough together like the pottery scene in Ghost but they're naked Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just fabulous. It's just Mm -hmm. really, really sexy and fun. And so obviously all three of them get really fabulous, amazing, sexy makeovers because of all the, this amazing sex they're having. Mm-hmm. And they start getting really good at their jobs. And they spend all their time at the Van Horn Mansion just being fabulous, sexy bitches together and just like, sexy lounging and doing all the things that the original trio did. Yeah. So while this is going on, they do unfortunately make an enemy mm-hmm. in the form of a local Bible basher who's also the head of the PTA at uh, Kristen Wiig School mm-hmm. who's obviously going to be played by Kate McKinnon. Yes. Because can you imagine... Kate McKinnon playing Felicia. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Kate McKinnon's like a Bible bashing, but freaking out like <laughs> dildos, anal intercourse. Like, she'd be so good. Incest. Spanish flies. Dildos. Anal intercourse. Yep, very good. Yeah, very so good. She, she's the one having all those freakouts, basically. And she starts campaigning to have the Van Horn brothers run out of town again because mm. she blames them for everything. Mm-hmm. But of course, the more she fights them, the more bad things start to happen to her. So we're going to get some really amazing Kate McKinnon like physical comedy. She's going to fall down the stairs. She's going to like projectile vomit. She's going to have a freak out in the church and start screaming about dildos and alien intercourse. Mm-hmm. She's going to be amazing. So I'm just stop- I can't believe this film hasn't already been made. I've only like I really think this. <laughs> Sorry, film, this film that you're making. This film that I'm pitching. I genuinely think everything I've ever done. How is this not a thing already? Wow, don't blow your own horn I'm, then. I'm just saying, these people in this film, it re- this would genuinely work. Like, Fine, tweet it out. Get it I'm, made. Yeah, Get it made. I think this could be our road to fame and fortune. So um, at some point, unfortunately, Kate McKinnon is going to have to die a horrible death. Aww. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to see her vomit herself to death. Maybe she, something else happens. Maybe she like accidentally drives off a car off a cliff or something. Mm-hmm. But something funny in Kate McKinnon-ish. Anyway, okay, sure. she dies. And this causes the women, the other women to realise that they are in fact in league with the devils, plural. Mm-hmm. So they need to get themselves out of this situation. Mm. But of course, it's easier said than done. And the Hemsworths, you know, when they do try to leave, the Hemsworth brothers kind of start torturing them and seducing them. And it's all going wrong. And ultimately they decide that the only way they can get out of this situation is to leave town forever. Yeah. So there's a scene where they're like frantically packing their bags and just preparing to drive off and escape when suddenly there's a loud bang and the front door just flies open and standing in the doorway is Michelle Pfeiffer, Susan Sarandon and Cher, no. the original trio. It's like, we're back bitches. Mm-hmm. So they've heard about everything that's been going down and they've returned to defeat their evil sons once and for all, basically. Mm-hmm. So now we've got a set up for this amazing final battle between three devils and six fabulous bitches. <laughs> <laughs> So there's going to be lots of spells, lots of very dramatic slow motion falling. Yeah. And definitely some really terrible special effects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously the good guys win. Mm-hmm. The women win. But the original trio, because they don't have the heart to kill their own sons. So instead they transform them into... What would you turn the Hemsworth brothers... What would a witch turn the Hemsworth brothers into? What like animal or something to like, keep them under control? Three hamsters. Three ham... Perfect. Okay. So the three Hemsworths become three hamsters. They get turned into hamsters. Hamster Hemsworths. Yes. And they put them in a cage and they're running around on the... Oh, hamsters is great because they're yeah. running, on the little, <laughs> running on the little wheels. It's so yeah. cute. 
So they turn them to hamsters, put them in a cage, and the film ends with the six of them just living together in the mansion, just being fabulous together. Yeah. But there's a post credit scene, of course. Mm-hmm. Good. Where Leslie Jones sneaks into the, the hamster room mm. and takes the Liam Hemsworth hamster out of the cage and starts petting him. And his eyes start glowing red. Mm. And then she's kind of mesmerised. And then the other women rush in and maybe smack him on the nose of a little pulled up newspaper or something. And go, Leslie, no! And they put him back and then film ends. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. Oh, I like how we both did a post credit scene with red eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was inevitable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, great. That was amazing, John. Yeah. Don't I, you think that could be a real film? I genuinely... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Excellent. that would be great. Any questions? No. Cool. No, okay. it's gotten to listen, list of submissions. Now, with this, I will be disappointed. Now, I know that you've come up with this idea, but I've done the same. I, I will be disappointed if nobody has come up with Witches of EastEnders. Well, let's see. So, Heavy Metal Horrorcast at mm-hmm. HMHcast has done The Desperate Housewives of Eastwick. Mm. Uh, so after everything goes down in the original film, the coven relocates to live in a more conventional suburban area called Wisteria Lane. Mm-hmm. And they end up running into Gabrielle, Susan, Brie and Lynette, who are from, from Desperate Housewives. Mm-hmm. Have you watched Desperate Housewives? Nope. No? Well. Anyway, so they that, the, the four actresses from Desperate Housewives, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Terry Hatcher and uh, Ava Longoria and the other two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Felicity Huffman and Marsha Cross. So they meet those and soon discover that suburban witchcraft is no match for suburban bitchcraft. <laughs> so that's their idea. Yeah. Love it. I'm guessing yeah, yeah, it's going to yeah. be a mini-series, I don't know. Uh, we Watch Anything, at We Watch Anything. There's is Eastwick 2, The Witch is Back. Mm. So in this, this one, I'm guessing this is a remake. Three bachelors are living together in New York and uh, having a carefree life. One is an architect, one is a cartoonist, and one is an actor. Mm-hmm. And they find a baby on the doorstep one day. Mm-hmm. And they take her in and... Lots of hilarious free men and a baby kind of, you know, shenanigans ensue. But uh, soon the daughter starts to exhibit superpowers and she's levitating dogs and she's, you know, causing mm-hmm. all kinds of trouble, etc. And at first it's okay, like the child, it's all fun and games and actually the child's powers kind of are quite beneficial to them. They manage to get themselves good tables in restaurants and, mm-hmm. you know, IRS inspectors are disappearing and everything. But ultimately they just realise their child is the devil incarnate right. and all these games need to stop. So some kind of wizard or something gives them a special knife and tells them they need to kill their daughter, but they can't do it. And eventually she brings about the end of the world. I feel like a lot of, a lot of We Watch Anything sequels end with the end of the world. But anyway. <laughs> um, so the world ends and the three dads are kept alive as servants of the Dark Overlord and spend the rest of time in eternity in charge of a team of imps. And that's it. So the three dads are played by Steve Gutenberg, Tom Selleck and Ted Danson, who mm. were in the film Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The daughter's going to be played by Glowy Grace Moretz, mm-hmm. which I can see. Yeah. Uh, Stone Gasman, at Stone Gasman, has suggested a version in which Jack's devil sons come to Eastwick and go after Alex, Jane and Suki, as in Cher, Pfeiffer and Sarandon's daughters. Mm-hmm. So it's like a next generation kind of thing. Right. And it's going to be closer in spirit to the original books because this was based on a book. Okay. okay. And finally, Blokebusters, mm-hmm. best for last. Uh, <laughs> the trio moved to London. Oh, lose their magic and need to try and get it back while surviving on council payouts mm-hmm. and drinking in the local pub and it is in fact the title is The Witches of EastEnders yay, yay! thank you Blokebusters ah. so there we have it great very good oh I'm so satisfied thanks mm-hmm. Blokebusters <laughs> thanks everyone yeah that was really good thanks guys so if you have any sequels you'd like to see to The Witches of Eastwick or any films we've done in the past or any films you'd like to see us do in the future, please let us know. We'll be on the box set. Find us on beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is downloadable on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Player FM, Podbean, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you find podcasts. 
You can also get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. We would love to hear your comments. Please get in touch. If you like what we do, hit subscribe for a new episode every Friday and leave us a review. It really helps us find new listeners. Yeah. So this was part one of three of our Halloween trio that we're doing mm-hmm. as a build-up. So part two next week is your um, choice. It is my choice. Now, we couldn't do Halloween without watching Hocus Pocus. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so, <laughs> I can't believe you chose this over me, but I'm so happy. Yeah. Well, it's a tradition in my house to watch this film. It's a tradition in my house too. So Good. Good. Excellent. All right. Tune in everyone next week for Hocus, Hocus Pocus. Pocus. Can't wait. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. See you later. Bye. Incest, Spanish flies, dildos, anal intercourse.